Well, you come to church, you hear good news. It is good news to me that dark chocolate is good for you. <clears throat> I'm a simple person. When I look at a Hershey bar, I see dark chocolate. Don't you? I mean, isn't it obvious? <laughs> isn't it obvious that it's dark? And, and chocolate kisses, they are dark as well. And chocolate chip cookies have dark <laughs> chocolate in them. Unfortunately, life is not as simple as it used to be. And uh, I have found out that there is something called dark chocolate, and their percentages, uh, the one that Darlene normally buys for me is 85%. Is it cocoa or something like that? And um, there are dark chocolate chip morsels, too. And so that might be one reason I hadn't gotten COVID, is because of dark chocolate. Thirteen years ago in February, I preached my first sermon here at Catawba Baptist Church. How many of you were here when I preached my trial sermon? If you were, raise your hand. I preached on Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Does anybody remember everything I said? Riggs, you do? Come on up. <laughs> Actually, I couldn't find my notes. If I had taken more time, I could have found them, but... Uh, I couldn't find my notes, so I don't know what I said either. But I'm going to preach again on Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn to that portion of Scripture, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. Almost everything said in, in Philippians is positive. A lot of joy, a lot of commendation, and so on. But Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Paul said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look at this portion of Scripture, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts, transform us by the renewing of our minds, and help us to live in such a way that we please you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as, as we look at this portion of Scripture, I know after 13 years, I still am inadequate. Now, wouldn't you agree with that? Anybody in here adequate? You, you got your act, life together. You got your act together. You're always doing what's right. You're impressive all the time in a positive way. Any of you like that? Of course, if you're like that, you'd be humble and you wouldn't raise your hand. So um, most of us would recognize that we're inadequate. Paul certainly did. In verse 13, he said, brethren... I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived. I haven't made it when it comes to living my life for God. And I think that most of us would agree that we are inadequate. Even if we've been saved a long time. I've been saved for probably 57 years. I think I trusted Christ as Savior when I was five. Didn't understand everything about it, but I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that Jesus died for me, and I said yes to him, and I'm fortunate, I haven't ever doubted it, I, I believe God's Word, and I believe that, that when we trust Christ as Savior, we're given everlasting life, we're children of God, and though we mess up as children, uh, we, we know that God is with us and He helps us and so on. But even after 57 years, I'm still inadequate, I still mess up. And I believe it has to do with our sin nature. Uh, Jeremiah 17:9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
And I think that if we're honest, we would probably recognize that, that we tend to do what's the wrong thing often. Romans chapter 7, Paul talked about the fact that he sometimes chose to do the wrong thing. And this, this is what it says in verses 18 and 19. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. In other words, he recognized that he had a tendency to do what was wrong. He wanted to do what was right and good, but ended up doing what was wrong and bad. All of us have the same problem of sin. Even, even though we've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we still have a sin nature in us. And if we don't depend on God, then we tend to fail. Paul put it like this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. In other words, Paul recognized that he was messed up, that he didn't live like he ought to. He recognized that he had not apprehended. Now, it's not just Paul. John said this in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse number 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. It's talking about two different things there. It's talking about sin nature and sin actions. All of us have a sin nature. All of us have a tendency to do what is wrong because of the original sin. And then all of us do sin actions. In other words, we sin. We mess up. Sin is twofold. Number one, sin is the transgression of the law, according to 1 John 4, 4. In other words, when the Bible says, thou shalt not, and we do it, that is a sin. But it also says in James 4, 17, that if we know to do good and we don't do it, that is sin. The reality is that I am still inadequate. I still mess up. I still fail. And theologically speaking, according to God's Word, even if you seem like you're perfect, you do mess up. I've told this before, that I, in 1982, was the chaplain and recreation director at Pirateland Family Campground. How many of you have been to Pirateland Family Campground? Okay, several of you have. Uh, it was a great summer. Um, I was able to, to preach and, and when I would preach, there'd be about 300 people there. There was a good crowd. There was sort of a captive audience. People that were Christians would come, and they, they wouldn't want to get dressed up and go to another church in town, so they'd come to the chapel, and, and I would preach to them. And just about every week, in fact, I think it was every week, during the course of my sermon, a bunch of greenheads would come in and, and land right behind me on the pond. I don't think they were watching me or listening to me during those times. They were watching the ducks, and they were, they were pretty. But I remember meeting a guy there and playing basketball with him. Before we played basketball with each other, he said to me, he knew that I was a chaplain, he said to me, I have not sinned in seven years. Well, I was impressed. I didn't know many people that would go seven years without sinning. And I really feel bad. I don't know if it was me or what happened, but he had a rotten attitude during that game. He was getting mad. He was yelling. Uh, he he. Uh, from my perspective, he broke his streak. 
He, he had to start back over and go for another seven years because from my perspective, he certainly sinned. And the reality is that we have a tendency to sin. We have a tendency to, to get mad. We have a tendency to, to do different things, and, and uh, we need to recognize that we are inadequate. So Philippians chapter 3, verse number 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I still am inadequate. But as we keep on going, it says this in, verse, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's the King James Version. That's what I memorized, and it's hard for me to read anything else than the King James Version sometimes. Do you, do you know that feeling? This is the new King James that I normally read out of. But the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus or the goal for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, it's the same thing. It's basically God saying to us one of these days, what do you want him to say to you? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to please God? And, and that's, that's point number two. I still want to please God. I want to live my life in such a way that he is pleased. Now, I recognize that I fail. I am inadequate. I sin. But I still do want to please God. How can I please God? I think it talks about it in the next couple of uh, verses. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 13. Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. I want to please God by practicing concentration by focusing on that which is most important. One of our problems, one of my problems, is that, that we tend to do a lot of different things. How many of you uh, feel a little bit like a hamster sometimes? Uh, you know, a hamster gets on that wheel and just runs and runs and runs and runs and doesn't go anywhere. How many of you feel that way? I, I, I saw somebody speak one time, and, and, and he had plates on top of, of sticks, and he would get this plate going, and then he'd come over here and get this plate going. He'd get this plate going, then he'd go back here and try to keep this plate going. And when you get too many plates going, guess what? Plates drop. Same thing in regard to juggling. If I had practiced, I might have brought some juggling balls. I used to be able to juggle four. I think I could juggle two now. Well, at least I could do one. But sometimes we have too many balls going, and we drop them. And, it, and when we think about this one thing I do, we need to practice concentrating on what is most important. And what is most important? I would say it's the spiritual rather than the physical, rather than the temporal, rather than money. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to practice concentration or focus. Now what I'd like for you to do is just for a Second, look at the cross. Now, most of you, some of you might not be able to see it. Pick something else if you can't see the cross behind me, but just focus on the cross for a minute, okay? Are y'all focusing on the cross? Now, what I want you to do is put your finger up about six inches in front of your face and focus on your finger. What happens to the cross when you focus on your finger? It gets blurry, does it not? You might be able to still see it, 
but it gets blurry. And the reason is because you're focusing on your finger rather than focusing on the cross. In the same way, we so easily get our focus off the most important things. We lose concentration. And I, I hate to tell you this if you're younger, but as you get older, it gets easy to lose concentration as well. You walk into a room and you think to yourself, why did I come into this room? Sometimes you can go back to where you were and do it again and it comes to your mind. But sometimes it does not. <clears throat> Smart thing to do is write down where you're going and what you're going to do. You go over there, you forget, and you look at, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this. Concentration and focus becomes difficult. I say it becomes difficult, but isn't it always difficult? When we're children, it's hard to focus on the most important thing. When we're young adults, we have a lot going on. Those children that y'all have, they take time. They take attention. I go visit my grandchildren, and I remember the past and how much time and effort it takes to take care of kids. And then you get to middle adult, and you have grandchildren and senior adult. You just can't think as well anymore. It's tough to focus, tough to concentrate. But the good news is this, that when we really do focus and concentrate on those things which are most important, that helps us to please God. Makes sense, doesn't it? Number one, we need to please God by practicing concentration or focus. Number two, we need to please God by putting the past behind. It says, I count on myself to have apprehended by this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Some of us are living in the past. There are things in the past that have happened to us or we have done or whatever that keep us from pleasing God. Did you know that you can't be angry and bitter and resentful and please God? I mean, it makes sense. We tend to justify it. But in Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32 says that we need to lay aside all bitterness and wrath and anger and malice and evil speaking with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So when we recognize that we have bitterness and anger or, or whatever it might be, whatever sin that we commit, we need to confess and repent. We need to recognize that that sin is wrong and we need to confess and repent. None of us, I don't believe, are like that guy that didn't sin in seven years. That guy wasn't even like that. But when we do sin, we need to confess and repent. Hebrews chapter 12, we preached on that not long ago, talks about laying aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And that's extremely important. We need to lay aside every weight. That would be something that's not bad in itself, but it keeps us from really focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to lay aside the sin which so easily besets us. For, uh, for different people, it's different things. For some, it might be anger. For some, it might be bitterness. For some, it might be laziness. For some, it might be a failure to read God's Word and pray. We need to lay that aside, confess and repent, and, and God will forgive us and cleanse us. 
But not only do we need to lay aside weights and sins as we put the past behind, sometimes we need to lay aside our accomplishments. Because sometimes we live, I guess we, we live our lives based on those accomplishments and we don't accomplish other accomplishments because we're satisfied with ourselves because we've accomplished accomplishments beforehand. If you want me to say that again, I'm not going to do it. But Paul recognized that in Philippians chapter 3, same chapter, beginning at verse number 3. It says, We are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless. In other words, when people looked at him, they thought, that guy has his act together. Sometimes we look at others and think they have their act together. Sometimes people look at us and they think we have our act together. But Paul said in verse number 7, what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yea, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have, the suffer, the, I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. In other words, his confidence was not in the accomplishments that he had had. Instead, his faith was in Jesus Christ. And he recognized there was no way to please God apart from that faith in Jesus Christ. Self-effort would not do it. Self-righteousness would not do it. In Isaiah, it says all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And so as we put the past behind, we need to lay aside every weight, every sin which so easily besets us, and we need to lay aside our accomplishments and not depend on them, but instead depend on God for righteousness and living for Him. If we want to please God, we practice concentration, this one thing I do. We put the past behind, and then we ponder the future. Sometimes, sometimes I have a hard time coming up with alliterated words. I had to think about this one a, a fair amount. It says in verse number 13, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. We put the past behind and we look ahead to the future. But what should our perspective toward the future be? I think, I need to think, I think we need to think about it. We need to ponder the future. We need to ponder what's going to happen in days to come. Now, we don't need to do it like somebody did it in James chapter 4, verses 13, I think, through 18 or something like that. They said, what we're going to do is we're going to go into a certain city, we're going to buy and sell, we're going to make a bunch of money, then we're just going to take it easy. And, and, and James said, don't, don't have that attitude. Say, Lord willing, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. It's not a matter as we ponder the future of coming up with our own plans and hoping that God's okay with our plans. 
Instead, it's a matter of pondering the future and thinking to ourselves, how can I live for God? What do I need to do to be pleasing to God? Recognizing that we can't please Him in our own strength or through our own self-effort, still there are things in God's Word that tell us what we need to do in order to please God. So as you're looking ahead to the future, one of the things that you probably need to do is, is say, Lord, with your help, I'm going to try to read the Bible and pray every day. Let me ask you a question. How many of you read, how many of you think it's a good idea to read the Bible and pray every day? Okay, most of your hands are going up. How many of you think it's a good idea to eat every day, eat fit, regular food? Okay, many hands are going up, unless you're fasting, of course. Physical food, spiritual food, which is more important? Spiritual food. We need to be spending time in God's Word on a regular basis. And God's Word says pray without ceasing. So if we are going to study God's Word, meditate on God's Word, if we're going to pray without ceasing, then it's a good, good idea to do that on a regular basis. So from here on out, if we want to please God, we need to think to ourselves as we ponder the future, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read God's Word. I'm going to pray. As, as we think about the future, we might think, well, I, I know some people in my life that don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. I'm going to put them on a prayer list and start praying for them on a regular basis. Some, it might be somebody at school, might be somebody at work, might be somebody at church, I don't know. We want to pray for them on a regular basis and, and trust God to give us an opportunity to speak to them and share the gospel. As we ponder the future, we should not just be thinking about retiring and traveling and having a good time. We should not just be thinking about becoming a professional athlete. None of those things are wrong in themselves. But as we ponder the future, we need to be seeking to understand God's will. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18, talk about the fact that we should be circumspect, uh, that we should walk circumspect not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is and don't be drunk with wine in which is excess but be filled with the spirit there's a focus on God's will as we ponder the future we should be asking ourselves the question what is God's will for me so I still want to please God by practicing concentration, by putting the past behind, by pondering the future, and then by pressing toward the mark. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That sounds like an athletic term to me where there is some straining, there is some, some intense activity involved. There, there's a desire to please Jesus Christ for him to say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But it's probably not going to happen by us sitting on the couch and watching television. And is there anything wrong in itself sitting on the couch and watching television? Not necessarily. It depends on what you're watching, I guess. But that's not wrong in itself. The question is this. How serious are we about living for God and pleasing him? How serious are we about pressing toward the mark. On Wednesday night, and, and, and some of you don't know perhaps that, that on Wednesdays on the website as well as Facebook and I think as well as YouTube, uh, and, and I think we're doing podcasts now. You can go to the website and 
you don't, if you can't watch it, if you want to listen to it while you're driving or something like that, probably a better idea than, than watching it while you're driving. Uh, you can check it out. But Wednesday nights at 6.30, our, our sermon or sermonette or whatever, it's a shorter sermon, is, is on, um, on the website. And this past Wednesday night, I, I taught from Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24. In that portion of Scripture, Jesus said this. Matthew 6, 24, he said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If we're serious about coming after Jesus Christ, if we want to be a Christian who's really living for God and pleasing him, then this is what we need to do. Number one, deny ourselves. That's selflessness. In other words, we're not selfish just thinking about ourselves. We're selfless thinking about God and thinking about others. Do we show or characterize selflessness on a regular basis? And then it goes on to say, take up your cross. That cross was a terrible instrument of torment that the Romans came up with. And, and in all probability, nobody in, in this room, probably nobody in America is going to be crucified on a cross. It just That doesn't happen nowadays. But, but we all have our crosses. We all have areas in which we need to sacrifice, leave our comfort zone, and live our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ, even though it is hard, even though it means sacrifice. So selflessness, sacrifice, and then surrender. Follow me. Surrender to his will rather than just doing what we want to do. If we are serious about living for God and pleasing him, then we need to have selflessness and sacrifice and surrender. We need to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. I still want to please God. Do you want to please God? I know that many of you do. I'm inadequate. I want to please God. I still know that God is able. Back to Philippians chapter 3, verse number 14. The last couple of words say, in Christ Jesus. If we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're in Christ Jesus. Positionally speaking, we've trusted Christ as our Savior, and no longer does God hold our sin against us. Instead, he looks at Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, the fact that we've trusted Christ as Savior, and he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ in us. That's good news indeed. It's a good, it's a good deal. We give our sin to God, to Jesus Christ, and he gives us his righteousness. But it's not just a matter of salvation. It's not just a matter of recognizing that we're sinners, that we don't deserve to go to heaven, and trusting him as our Savior. Instead, it's a matter of living the Christian life day by day. We can live the Christian life with God's help, through faith in him. So as we think about the fact that God is able, that in Christ we can live for him, my mind goes to a couple different verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That doesn't mean that we're never going to sin again. What it means is that through Jesus Christ, as long as we allow him to control us, we have the power to live the Christian life to walk in newness of life, as it says in Romans 6, 4. 
We're in Philippians, Paul in Philippians 2.13. If you want to look at it, you can. It says, it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is the one that gives us the desire and the ability to do his will. Philippians 4.13, if, if you don't have that memorized, if you've been coming here for a while, then, then, then you need to go to a course on memorization or something. Philippians 4.13 says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ephesians 3.20-21 Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church through Christ Jesus to all generations. He is able to do great and mighty things as we trust him. The reason that I can please God is not because of my own self-effort, because of my own self-righteousness. Instead, it's because I'm in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus helps me. He strengthens me. He gives me what I need to live the Christian life. I still know that God is able. Well, as I look back 13 years, I certainly haven't lived a perfect life. I mess up too often. But I still know that I am inadequate. I still want to please God. Do you? I still know that God is able. And I still am ready to trust and obey. You've heard the song, Trust and Obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Some of us are living frustrated Christian lives because we are defeated time after time after time. We're not experiencing victory. If we're not experiencing victory in all probability, we're not trusting and we're not obeying. So maybe what we need to do is to commit to trust and obey. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Pleasing God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to him, or he that comes to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we come to God, we must believe that he is, that's faith, but he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith without works is dead. Our faith ought to make a difference in our lives. If we have genuine faith, then we're going to be seeking to diligently please him. Make sense? And he will reward us as we do so. We're only saved by faith in Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But we also live our lives for Jesus Christ through his grace. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I am still ready to trust and obey. It's hard for me to believe it's been 13 years since I preached my first sermon here. I sure have enjoyed my time at Catawba Baptist Church. And I, I look forward to staying here as long as God wants me to. And as long as you, are, you let me stay too. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that God's word is still true 13 years later. And that... I, even though I am adequate, I am inadequate. I do want to please God. And I know that God is able to do far above all that I can ask or think according to the power that works in me.
And so I am committed to trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and patience, for your mercy and for your grace. Thank you that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, that in this process of sanctification, living our lives for you, that you're always with us, you never leave us, you never forsake us. And Lord, I pray that even though we do mess up, we're inadequate, you can work in us and through us in such a way that we can be what you want us to be and do what you want us to do for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray that you will help each one of us to determine today by your grace that we are going to trust and obey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, some of you may have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. The gospel, the good news is that even though we're sinners, we deserve to die and spend eternity in hell. God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so we could go to heaven if we believe. If we come before him and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I know Jesus died on the cross for me. And right now I depend on Jesus to save me and give me everlasting life. We can have everlasting life. And he helps us not only to have everlasting life, but an abundant life as we trust him. But for many of us, we've trusted Christ as Savior. And sometimes we are frustrated as we seek to live for him. We're not victorious. My encouragement to you is, as you think about these these different uh, principles from Philippians chapter 3 is to recognize that God is able and commit to trust and obey and depend on God to work in your life in a special way.